coming up in this episode. We often have the problem of projecting onto others a framework that is in our own mind about them, where we think people should feel a certain way. The biggest challenge is the challenge of remembering what my mother used to say to me when I was a kid, that God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason because you're supposed to listen twice as much as you talk. You're listening to the Pursuit of Purpose podcast. Wisdom, stories, and advice from successful entrepreneurs and inspirational people. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on another episode of the Pursuit of Purpose. My name is Chris Kiefer. Before I get into this episode today, I just wanted to take a quick moment and let everybody know that I do have a few housekeeping items that I will share at the end of the episode just to be respectful of your guys' time and get you straight to the content that you're here to listen to. But after the interview with Pat, uh, I do have a few uh, announcements and just uh, things that I wanted to make sure everybody is aware of. So please stick around if you are interested. Um, and here we are. Let's jump into this interview with Pat McCormick. Today I am joined by Pat McCormick, one of the founders of AMPMPR. Pat, thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. Now, Pat has such an amazing background and really just an impressive resume in general that I'm going to try and do my best to recap it all for you quickly before we get into the interview. So as I mentioned, he is the co-founder of AMPMPR, which he started back in 2010 with his daughter, Allison McCormick. AMPMPR is a Portland-based public relations firm that focuses on the strategic side of communications. They have been involved in a number of ballot measures. They've worked with major organizations on their corporate reputation, and they've also assisted organizations in times of crisis communication when their reputations are being challenged. Now, Pat's journey in communications in general started all the way back when he was a newspaper editor for the Army during his service. And since then, he has worked in broadcast television at KPTV, both in production and sales. He started a TV station in Salem. He worked at the, for the Oregon legislature, and he started multiple companies. And prior to AMPMPR, he spent 20 years as one of the founding partners of CFM Strategic Communications in Portland. But despite this extremely impressive list of experience and accomplishments, he is still one of the most humble and generous people that I know. And so getting into our conversation, Pat, the, the main question I have to kind of start us off um, is obviously you've spent a lot of time in the communications and public relations world, which obviously um, is by choice. But what makes you so passionate about communications in general? Well, two things. I'm, uh, I graduated from high school, uh, Central Catholic, in, in uh, 1960. And being an Irish Catholic in that era when John Kennedy was running for president uh, was... Um, it attracted me in the sense that uh, Kennedy's call to the importance of public service meant a lot to me, and I thought being involved in public affairs, uh, community affairs, was an important responsibility that we all have uh, to participate in our government. Uh, I had benefited uh, from uh, really good uh, English language training, uh, writing skills and so forth uh, out of grade school and high school uh, and 
writing was always something I was comfortable with. I had the chance to tune that a lot during my time with uh, in the Army doing newspapers. But when I came back and was working in television, I was also struck by how important um, television and visual uh, communications has become uh, in, as part of being able to communicate messages. So I began to look more at all those elements of communications, was interested, and I'm still interested in learning more about all these things, which are in a constant state of evolution, as you know. And so it's, it's just interesting to me to look at the tasks that are involved in trying to um, develop effective communications. And I see a great deal of similarity in what we do in what I would call broader-based uh, communications activities, trying to reach large audiences, and what happens in other kinds of uh, more intimate relationships, uh, um, family relationships, uh, uh, employer-employee relationships, and all those connections where uh, part of the challenge in order to uh, maintain good relationships is to have good, effective communications. Uh, I have a daughter who is an art therapist and does child and family counseling uh, in the Evergreen School District up in Washington State. And a lot of the similarities f when you're looking at dysfunction of communications are the same kind of things that we see in the dysfunction of communications for organizations that are trying to reach stakeholders in their in their activities. So I. I'm just fascinated by that, and I've always been interested in pursuing those things. So you're saying that, um, well, part of me thinks because of your experience and the um, number of years that you've been in communication, you probably never argue or fight with your wife or <laughs> your children. It's just, you know, perfect communicating the whole time, right? Yeah, yeah. No problem from that standpoint, Chris. No, it's it's interesting because... When when you're um, having a problem in communications one way or the other, listening or, or communicating, uh, your reaction is on a human level, and it's only when you can step back and kind of um, process it from a more objective level that you can see things that we all do that interfere with our ability to be effective in our communications. We all have our foibles and challenges in that regard. But it also makes me um, more thoughtful about the challenges of trying to um, effectively communicate. Um, and, and that's always on my mind, that, that how do we do it better at every level, including one-to-one -one in our own personal relationships. So you mentioned that there are these parallels between our personal communication and communications that corporations experience on a broader level. Do you have any examples of maybe some instances that the everyday person might be able to relate to that larger organizations um, face? We often have um, the problem of projecting onto others uh, a uh, framework that is in our own mind about them. Um, and we can do that with large audiences as well, where we think people should feel a certain way. The 
the biggest challenge that I think is consistent across what we do from a professional standpoint with uh, public relations and what happens in our personal lives is the, the challenge of remembering what my mother used to say to me when I was a kid, that God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason because you're supposed to listen twice as much as you talk. Uh, listening and having a disciplined way to listen and having to having the ability to listen without trying to filter it through your own perspective, um, th those are challenges for us in our individual relationships. But there are also challenges for organizations that are trying to plan their communications using uh, tools we often have the with with larger clients uh, the opportunity to use. Uh, significant survey research data where we've got quantitative, uh, scientifically developed information about how uh, individuals process information that we're trying to communicate. Um, that ability to use those kind of tools, sometimes we use qualitative tools which are like one-on-one -on -one interviews or focus groups and things like that. They help us get a picture of how people are are processing the information that we're trying to share with them and how they take it in and, and what it means to them. In our personal lives, that's part of the challenge too, is how to make certain with our spouse that we're not just reacting to something that they say, we're listening to see where that comes from and to understand it better so we can appropriately respond uh, to the information that they're trying to share. That's not easy, but that's part of what I think happens across the spectrum of communications for people trying to um, process uh, and understand what someone else uh, is trying to say to them. Mm. That is very interesting. Yeah, I think that um, uh, I like that quote, you have two ears and one mouth. I've heard, I can't, I, I feel like it was probably my mom or dad or grandparent or someone that I've heard, maybe it was probably a teacher in class when I was busy talking when I shouldn't have been. <laughs> um, I'm not out of the business world, but you mentioned that you have seven kids. Mm -hmm. Something that I'm always fascinated by in my own, you know, I'm at the beginning of my own career. Um, in the Natalie beginning of your I, family. Yeah, Natalie and I just had our first uh, daughter. Right. Uh, who Ellie is now five, thank you, or actually she's almost six months. Um, I, I have a desire to have a big family mm -hmm. um, and big as far as number uh, has yet to be determined, but um, I came from a family of five kids. My mom came from a family of five. My dad came from a family of five. And I just love the, <laughs> the, the big family atmosphere. The reunions are a blast. And, um, you know, I want to be able to continue that as, as best as we can. Do you think that you parented your kids differently because of the, you know, the um, hyper awareness that you had of communication? I can look back now and I can see things that I wished I had done differently. Uh, I can look back and, and see things that I think... Um, I presented obstacles to our children. But one of the other uh, benefits of a large family was uh, a lot of our kids um, ended up parenting each other or at least partnering in parenting with the younger kids. At the time, I wasn't self-reflective. It's really been 
as I've worked in the communications business longer and spent more time looking at communications and uh, I was on a board with a psychologist uh, who was the first one who kind of opened up for me the idea that there is great similarity in communications issues that develop in relationships and in organizations with what we're trying to do in communications uh, with larger audiences. And, and I take those as things that have helped me just look back on how I didn't do things as well as I might have when, when I had the chance. Mm. So shifting topics a little bit, I know that you mentioned that you had some sales roles um, in your uh, career. Do you think that being a good salesman involves being a really effective communicator? Absolutely. And, and I think to be really effective as a salesman, you really just aren't there to run your mouth and spiel, send, send a spiel off to the person on the receiving end. You've got to be able to understand what their needs are and why what you have fits with them and their interests. In the advocacy on public policy issues, we really needed to know that what motivated that legislator on these kinds of issues. If it was about ergonomic issues on electronic equipment, um, how did, what motivated them? Why, why was there a concern? What could we do to identify and address the issues that were important to them and then help them see why what we were proposing or opposing in terms of legislation uh, was consistent with uh, their interest. And the other aspect of it for me that was beneficial is um, understanding that you don't you don't make a sale every time and you're not successful in persuading every person, uh, but you still have a lot of respect for the engagement that you've had with those individuals when, when you don't fully connect. Uh, and hopefully they come away respecting you as well for the point of view that you're trying to advocate. That is interesting. I think that um, I do a lot of sales in my own job. I think that's a good... Um, that a successful sales process should end in both people, you know, respecting each other, even if, because uh, that's, you know, the goal is to find out if it makes sense to right. do business or whatever. Um, but I think that's a really good point. Well, this is my third business, and I think I'm beginning to get <laughs> understanding of it after all this time. That, yeah, the the uh, not everybody. You're, you're not the right answer for everybody's question. You're, you're, you're going to have clients that you work with where the foot, foot fit is absolutely, absolutely perfect and, and they can appreciate you and you appreciate them and hopefully when we establish those kind of relationships, we build long-term connections and we work with clients for a long time. Those are the, for our business, that's the ideal that we're looking for is a long-term client where we're really providing exactly what they're looking for. We also right. decided uh, with this firm that we were going to be small, not medium size, uh, and then look for strategic partnerships with professionals in the community whose, whose work on a particular project uh, fits well with us. We know what we do well and, and we understand what we don't do as well as others and can bring to a client's uh, needs the professionals that we think can give them as a team the, the best um, 
fit for the project that they have in mind. And you really, as I know you have already, we all learn a level of humility from being in a sales process. And, and um, the important thing is what you were talking about, that, that at the end of it, in the conversation, that you have a great deal of mutual respect for each other and the integrity of what you're doing, the authenticity of the way you're dealing with a client. Those are things that even if they don't hire you on this particular thing, can be important uh, hooks to bring them to you when there is something that uh, they need that is in your wheelhouse. So now having you know all this experience and everything, if you were to be given the opportunity to go back and give yourself, let's say 25-year-old Pat, um, some advice, what would you say to yourself back then? One of the things that I wished I'd have learned the value of sooner is the importance of being uh, very meticulous about developing your uh, own network. Um, you connect with so many people in life, in life and then you kind of lose track of that thread. You may come across them again at some point along the way and, and reconnect or you may not. But the success, and especially in a business like ours, um, it often comes from the fact that you, you've gotten to know a lot of people and you know what they can do, you know uh, what their story is. You're, you're not just looking at them as somebody who uh, provides a particular service, but they're a person with a personality that's colorful and, and you kind of learn from watching them. Um, today we have tools like LinkedIn and so forth and uh, I just I think being really attentive to um, putting contacts that you make into a database and uh, connecting on LinkedIn and doing those kind of things so that you maintain uh, a sense of your own network and the breadth of your contacts um, it's always surprising to me how much difference that's made in my professional life that I knew all these people and um, connected with them in various ways throughout my career. And so are you, to dive a little deeper into that, are you saying that it's important to not only meet people, but be intentional about which people, if not you know, a good majority of them, you are following up or staying in touch with? Yes, I think that's right. And that intentionality, uh, one of the people that I worked with at Tektronics, uh, he was my boss at Tektronics, was a, a man named Chuck Frost, who was a really wonderful manager. Uh, but when he was in college, he was, uh, I, I think, at uh, Georgetown, uh, but in one of the colleges in D.C. He just decided that it would be interesting to know a lot of these people that he reads about in the newspaper. So he would like call up the Secretary of Defense and see if he could have coffee with, and essentially was doing informational interviews with everybody that he could think of. And I, I just always marveled at how great a uh, process that would have been if I'd have been at that age as diligent about trying to make connections with interesting people that, um, and it's surprising uh, 
Portland is a particularly good market, I think, for people in our industry to do informational interviewing because most everybody I know in our business in town is very open to sitting down having coffee or visiting with students or young professionals. But to be able to broaden it even beyond your professional interest, uh, just w what personally motivates you, find out who you can connect with. The worst that can happen is that they can say no, but you can make some very interesting connections along the way, and, and I think those could be uh, really meaningful as you get older and, and expand your career. Did you, um, with that piece of advice, did you start doing that at a later point in your career? I have been more, uh, two things about it. One was I, I wished I had done more when I was younger, uh, but I certainly don't hesitate to reach out to people that I think it would be interesting to spend time with. Uh, but it also made me really sensitive to the value of being available to young people who have questions like that and want to sit down for informational interviews. So, um, I was I was going to ask. My follow up was going to be: it was, Is there anyone that uh, kind of like you said? The worst thing they can say is no. But you know, you reach out to um, that one gentleman that you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, who reached out to the Secretary of Defense right. or someone it's like, and then they respond and say, yeah, how about next Wednesday? And you're like, oh, uh, yeah, that sounds great. I'll be there. <laughs> well, yeah, and, you know, now it tends to be that it's me trying to connect with folks who are um, see, yeah, CEOs, uh, um, that kind of stuff. People who are working in in the business uh, that may have a reason at some point for us to do business with them, or like right now, I'd, I'm working on a project with uh, the Oregon Business Council, Oregon Business and Industry, and the Portland Business Alliance uh, on the Oregon Business Plan activity, the development of a fiscal policy initiative uh, for the 2019 legislature. So I'm having a chance to sit down with uh, executives in big companies in the state that I don't have as much opportunity to sit down with on a social basis as often. And mm. I find those meetings are, are really helpful to me, not because I expect specifically that I'm going to get a client relationship out of it, but just because it's it's good networking for me and, and it helps me understand better what they're interests and motivations are in their public policy involvement. Absolutely. Do you feel like you're ever going to pursue another career or do you have ideas of what's next after this? You know, I, it's hard for me to envision that I would do anything else. I, I'm well past, I'm 75, so I'm well past the age when a lot of people have retired. And I'm still working because uh, I want to have something that motivates me to get out of bed in the morning and to do something meaningful. Uh, I'm active doing volunteer things as well, and uh, I like doing that, but I still think I want to have, a, as long as I'm able, a uh, professional job that uh, requires me to, uh, you know, shave in the morning and, and <laughs> go do something meaningful for a while. Right. Um, and what the, I always like getting uh, book recommendations. I don't know if you read or listen to books or podcasts. Do you have any um, or three or so book recommendations? 
Well, when we were talking about communications and the challenge of communications, and since I'm dealing a lot in the public policy arena, um, the, the tribalism of communications today is uh, is really a challenge. A, a friend of mine who has a public relations agency in Vancouver has written a number of books, but he came out with a book kind of presciently at the beginning of the 2016 election cycle uh, called I'm Right and You're an Idiot. Uh, <laughs> and his name is James Hogan. He's a, got a Vancouver, B.C. public relations firm that's, that's well regarded. But it, it's really a series of interviews with the leading theoreticians on communications about what's what's made this toxic state of public discourse what it is and how can we clean it up how, how can we get it better so i really liked that book and i i recommend it i just finished a book uh, called the power of moments by Chip and Dan Heath, and they've done a number of books in marketing and communications kind of stuff. Very interesting. But this is focused more on what makes a moment memorable and, and how can we create um, the moments that have that emotional hook that will keep it in somebody's memory for a long period of time. And, and some really interesting uh, thoughts from that standpoint. And, and I like to read about uh, uh, faith issues from time to time. There's a book that a priest friend of mine recommended to me that I enjoyed called The Message in the Kingdom by Richard Horsley. And it really, you know, because of my involvement in politics, I'm really interested in the context that uh, it sets for the uh, Jesus and, and the movement that followed Jesus's life that in the context of um, the Roman imperial history and the empire that was going on, the politics and the social conditions that, of the empire that, that were what Jesus was confronting and what uh, helped shape his movement afterwards. So those are three hmm. that I enjoy. I have, surprisingly, that The Power of Moments, uh, I think I just downloaded that on my Audible account. Someone at a conference that I, a venture, the Ben Venture Conference, hmm. there was someone there that... Um, suggested that book but i'm gonna have well to you'll enjoy it i like take them. a look at these ones chip and dan write some really fun books and they're easy reads uh, um, uh, they, they have the sticky i forget what it is sticky ideas anyway um, really uh, some good books on business and marketing and communications hmm. and then last question is what is your number one favorite movie of all time this is a tough week to ask me that because <laughs> I, I'm if if you just look at the long run of history, I'm a great To Kill a Mockingbird fan. But um, earlier this year, I really enjoyed Black Panther, and I thought mm -hmm. it was a very interesting evolution in the Marvel universe. And then went to the Avengers this weekend, and I'm still disoriented. I don't want to give any spoilers, but uh, man, it, it was a very good movie but very challenging to have processed all the went on in that movie uh so you're saying the most recent adventure the avengers, yeah, the, avengers the infinity war uh, okay if you haven't seen it i recommend seeing it but uh, i recommend getting therapy afterwards <laughs> 
Awesome. Well, uh, that's all we have for today. What, um, how, how wouldn't you recommend people get in touch with you if they want to reach out? Probably the easiest is just by email, pat, P-A-T, at ampmpr.com. Easy enough. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Pat, for being on the show, and uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll see you around. Excellent. All right, everyone, thank you for tuning in to this episode. As I mentioned at the beginning, now I have a few housekeeping items that I wanted to go over with all of you. So I uh, started the Pursuit of Purpose back in January of 2018. Um, and so we are coming up on a year of doing this and has been very, very fun and exciting. Um, for those of you that have been listening to several of these episodes, I did take a brief hiatus uh, for about the last six months, and I was sitting on several episodes that I had actually already recorded, this being one of them, and there is another one coming up uh, that I will be releasing here shortly. But um, I've, I am going to continue doing this, and I'm making a shift to uh, really start pushing uh, these episodes out on my social media channels just to make it easier for people to engage and whatnot. So one of the main places I'm going to be doing that is on my Instagram. That's uh, the handle is Chris Kiefer underscore net. But for any of you that are out there listening, uh, you can definitely engage, comment, and uh, check out upcoming episodes, leave feedback on my Instagram directly. I do still have the website chriskiefer.net. You can uh, reach me there. And actually, that reminds me. I uh, realized about a month ago that I had not actually set up uh, and forwarded the emails that were being sent to chris at chriskiefer.net. Um, so I did not receive any emails over the last year that anyone has attempted to send me. Um, and surprisingly, as soon as I uh, did set that up a few weeks ago, I got my first uh, fan email from Cameron Delashmit. I appreciate your uh, comment, Cameron. He mentioned that uh, he actually knew one of the previous um, interviewees on the podcast, Joseph and Fuso. Um, and hopefully we'll, we will be interviewing Cameron on an upcoming episode soon. But again, if you did send an email to me, I was not ignoring you. Uh, my email was not set up. That's completely my error and my mistake. Um, so please uh, resend anything that you did and you thought I was being mean and rude and not getting back to you. Um, but other than that, um, yeah, the places to stay in contact are Instagram. You could also find me on Facebook if you'd like that more. Um, but chriskiefer.net is kind of a work in progress. I'm overhauling a lot of stuff. And you can also hear Ellie, uh, my daughter, in the background that is uh, letting me know that it is time to go. So thank you very much and stay tuned for more great content. I'm excited to be doing this. Thank you everyone for your attention and listening to another episode of The Pursuit of Purpose. Your feedback and comments mean the world to me. You can find me on Instagram at chriskiefer underscore N-E-T. And you can also shoot me an email at chris at chriskiefer.net. And don't forget, I make it a point to include all of the links to the books, movies, and resources that were mentioned in this episode in the show notes. You can find those notes directly in the episode description or on my website at chriskiefer.net. You're listening to the Pursuit of Purpose podcast. 
Wisdom, stories, and advice from successful entrepreneurs and inspirational people.